as you know, today we're going to start a brand new series because it's seven weeks, and now we're going to start something new. And so what are we going to start? Well, I have been amazed over the last seven weeks. I've gone to all kinds of churches, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, but even here, uh, oftentimes i found that folks were uh, not so comfortable with this. This is a Bible, and it's the most dangerous book in the world. You know this book right now, in almost 30 countries, you can get executed just for holding one, if you have one. It is throughout history, it has, they've tried to burn it out of existence, they've tried to shut it down. In fact, um, even in our own country now, if you read like a lot of times online and things like this, where uh, in the comment section, the most anything, usually it comes down to how somebody thinks that all Christians should be killed, and that the Bible is a book of fairy tales. And uh, so I thought, you know, no wonder we have a lot of trouble in, in our life uh, if we don't understand what this is. So we're going to take the next four weeks, and we're going to learn to get a grip on God's Word, on the Bible. What is this, this incredible thing? It's been around for a very long time. It's the most influential writing in all history. It's a bestseller. Right? There's more copies of this than any, like, by far. What is it? And it's amazing how many folks, uh, really, and how would we know if we were never told? So that's why we're going to come. If you've never really been familiar with the word, maybe you are very much, uh, we're going to go through and we're going to learn a little about this. One thing I would encourage you to do, and starting now, as we move through, you know our church, we're very much about being disciples of Jesus, that build disciples of Jesus. And part of that starts by being disciples. Uh, Disciples are people that really have a chance to really know what this is and become more comfortable with, with Christ and his teachings. And so I encourage you, if you have a Bible, bring it to church with you for the next few weeks. In fact, just keep on doing it. It's going to be something that we'll be doing. Um, and so uh, we want to help you get familiar with it. So that's what we'll start with today. The, uh, the Bible that I have right here is one of ours that we have in the back. So if you don't have a copy of your own, we actually have some of these um, that you're welcome to. Um, our memory verse today actually is going to talk about the Bible. In fact, the next four weeks, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to memorize chapter 3, verses 14, 15, and 16, and 17. And then each of the messages on this particular series actually are based upon uh, what we learned here. So today is going to be 2 Timothy 3, 14. And this is what it says. It says, but you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. For you know that they are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. We're going to talk about that today, but first we want to set God's heart, His Word into our hearts and minds. And so I know this is a big one, but we break it down for you. It says, but you must remain faithful to the things that you were taught. That's what we're faithful to, okay? For you know they are true. That makes sense. For you know that you can trust. Who can we trust? Those who taught you, right? So let's talk about the Bible. What is the Bible? Right? I mean, we have all kinds of people who have all kinds of opinions on it. Some people think it's, it's just a, it's an old book written by old people that has nothing to do with today. Some people uh, think that it is something unique and, and, uh, and it's holy, and so it needs to just be separate because it's, some people think that it's a dangerous book. I don't know if you've seen, there was a movie not too many years ago about a blind guy who knew the Bible, right? And it was so dangerous. And so, yeah, it, some people think that it's a book to manipulate people, right? Some people think that, uh, that this particular thing is just... Uh, it's anti-everything in progress, right? There's a lot of opinions out there about the Bible. What is it? Well, we're going to say today, it's kind of just an overview. What really is the Bible? Because uh, most folks never have a chance to really know. It's kind of a mystery. It's, it's, a, it's a big, thick book with thin pages and, and stuff. What on earth is it? Well, there is, if you go into your Bible and you turn to 
the, the chapter, uh, 2 Timothy, which is really close to the very end of the Bible. You can kind of see where it is, way back there. Um, and there's 1 Timothy, which is before it, which is handy. And then there's 2 Timothy, if you see it. And chapter 3, 2 Timothy is a letter written by the Apostle Paul. And it was written to uh, his young protege, Timothy, as uh, he was handing over the church. Now, 2 Timothy was written right before Paul was executed. And he's in prison a year ago, and he's giving him some final instructions on how to care for the church. And uh, so these are, these are important things. Think about somebody's last words. They're going to be very important things, right? And he's handing on the church to the next generation. In 2 Timothy 3, we'll at least start reading in uh, verse uh, 14, it says, But you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught, for you know that they are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. Because you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in God in Christ Jesus. And all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, it corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. See, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And scripture is an amazing thing. It's phenomenal. In fact, uh, other places in, in Scripture uh, that we read, uh, 1 Peter, I'm going to take a different translation because it reads a little easier, but 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 it says this, This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about the gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered about what time or the situation the Spirit of Christ was within them when he was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. They were told that in their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news, this gospel, has been announced to you by those who preached by the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It's also wonderful that even the angels eagerly are watching these things happen. And see, the scripture, even in and of itself, some people say, well, it never says it's anything different than just teachings of old men. It claims that it comes from God. And even the prophets who, who talked about this, they, they prophesied in advance. They told things about Jesus that happened not for just themselves, but what were going to happen in the future. It claims, I mean, there were over 300 prophecies about Jesus alone. I mean, things so specific. In fact, uh, right at Easter time, we're going to go through those prophecies. Uh, not all 300 of them. We're just we're going to pick uh, we're going to pick about 15. Uh, we're going to go through, and it's amazing things that were prophesied hundreds of years before he came. So specific about even what he, the people would say around him as he was executed, and just so we would know that these things are true. And even the angels are are amazed by this book. It is something we would call holy. And holy means this: it's different. It's not like anything else. Uh, like, think about this, like, like, and I know I used this, this illustration before, but like your toothbrush. Your toothbrush is holy, right? It's holy unto thee, right? <laughs> Nobody else is allowed to use your toothbrush. It's different than all of the toothbrushes, isn't it? You don't just hand off, because your toothbrush is set apart for you and you alone. The Bible is different. It's not like any other book. It's not like anything else that has ever come before or after it. It is separate, and so it must be treated differently. And that's what we're going to talk about. What is this, this amazing thing? Well, the first thing we're going to find is this. The Bible is a library. It is a whole library. When you have a Bible in your hand, you have a complete library. 66 books. And these books are, are, are amazing. They were, they were written and, and uh, 
uh, all kinds of different genres that we have in here. At the very beginning, we have the law, which is we talked about with Moses and things there. And then after that, we have uh, we have a little bit of history to find out what happened. We have some wisdom and poetry, things that uh, wisdom literature, which is really fascinating. If you want to hear, like, read from the very wisest people on earth who were inspired by God, some wise things. That's what we have. Uh, we have, if you like poetry, there's there. You have prophecy. In fact, there's a huge section in there. Uh, there's there's some major prophets who just wrote a lot, and then there's some minor prophets, which we talked about last summer that, that wrote a little. And then and then we also have some biography. Those are the Gospels. That's about Jesus and his life and biographies. Four different views by people who saw him and knew him about what he did. And then we have Acts, which is history, and then we have these things, these letters, which are mostly just like prose. They tell us how to live very plainly. What does it mean to have this Christian life? What is, what is God saying to us? How do we apply that? At the very end, there's this very unique book, and it's Revelation, and it's Apocalypse, and it's, it's this amazing, vivid picture of the end. And it tells us what happens so we don't have to be freaked out about today because we know ultimately we win, which is great, isn't it? Yeah, and so that's what it is, a whole library. And it's not a library that, that uh, was just uh, about one thing. In fact, this this library contains six covenants between God and people. It's an amazing thing. You have a covenant that God that God made with all humanity with Adam. And, and it's a covenant that he said once we fell that he was going to save us. And then it has another covenant later on that God made with Noah. I mean, after the whole world was wiped out in a flood, God makes a, a covenant with Noah and tells us that, that he's going to honor life, but we need to honor life. And then later on, God makes another covenant. And this was a very specific one with Abraham. And God's saying, I'm choosing a people because I'm going to bring about that Savior that I talked about with, with, with Adam. I'm going to bring him, but I want you to know who he is. And he's going to come through your descendants, Abraham. And so there was blessing for the descendants of Abraham and the whole nation of Israel began. And then there's the Mosaic covenant. That's the old covenant law. That's the one that most people think about. That, that you know, you have... Um, the Deuteronomy, Exodus, all these kind of things that the Jews had to live by as far as being the people of Israel, and there was that covenant. And then Jesus fulfilled those covenants, all of them, and began the new covenant. It's amazing. And what is a covenant? Well, think of it like this. It's like a contract, right? When you go and buy a new cell phone, you make a covenant, don't you? You make a covenant with the company, their carrier, and you say, for two years, I will use your thing, whatever, and I will only use this much data, or else, you know, there will be wrath to pay, right? That's what you do. And and you make this covenant, and then, after two years, you complete, fulfill the covenant, right? And then you can move. That's what we have. We have covenants that God has made, and Christ has completed them. And it's amazing that we look at these covenants, we ask, who who is this God that made them, and who are they to? What are the terms of these things? Because those make a big difference, don't they? And so we learn about how God deals with people and, and how he has worked in the past and his character and his nature and what he wants from humans. Isn't that, how many times have you ever thought in your life, God, what do you want from me? He has told us over and over again. And so we get to read and find that wonderful answer. It's amazing. So the Bible has these covenants in there. We can see them and read them and understand them. It's also, it's a historical library. This book was not just written by a couple of guys in the back corner of a Walmart. Okay? It was written over 1,500 years. And that's a long time to change your story, and yet it doesn't change. 
And they think this, it's written over 1,500 years. It wasn't just written by one culture. It was written by several cultures. In fact, it's written in three different languages. And not one of them is English, by the way. I think that's interesting. So if you have a King James Version, it really wasn't the Bible that Jesus wrote. It's a good version. But, but it was written in Hebrew. And, and it was also written in Greek. And not just any Greek. It was written in the Greek of the people, like the common street language, Greek. Because God is saying, I want you to know what I have to say. And then there's a little bit of Aramaic in there because Paul is quoting what Jesus had to say. And it's his own words that we have quoted. It's amazing. And so we see this in three different languages, 1,500 years. And it wasn't just written all by scholars or by priests. There were some scholars and there were some priests. But there were also prisoners. There were also carpenters and fishermen who wrote into this book. Tax collectors, doctors. The whole gamut of humanity. It's a book that that has this library that speaks with such diversity, and yet it has one story. And that singular story, it talks about one thing, about what God wants, and how he treats us. And it has such unity of of message under huge issues, things like, who is God? I mean, think about, you put even ten Christians into a room together, and eventually we're going to disagree on some aspect of who God is, aren't we? Right? God is... I'm a Calvinist. I'm an Armenian. Right? We have different ways that we can... But this book, 1,500 years, 40 different authors, all kinds of diversity, and they understand exactly who God is and what God wants and what righteousness is and what is truth and what is, what is moral and, and where does that come from and what is sin and how is it dealt with. I mean, complete unity on these huge issues as well as to who the Messiah was going to be, what he was going to do. How does a person become saved? It's amazing, and what it lets us know is though that it was 1,500 years in three different languages and 40 different authors, it actually has one main author. And it says it all the way through, and it says it was authored by God, the Holy Spirit. In fact, in that passage that we read in, in the 2 Timothy 3.17, it says all scripture, 3.16, all scripture was useful for teaching what is true, what makes us realize what is wrong and what God wise. And it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do is right. How does it do that? Well, it comes right before this because all scripture is God breathed. It's like he actually just spoke the words. And how does that happen? Inspiration is an interesting thing, but it came from him. And that's why there's such unity in it. That's why it's so different. But is there evidence to prove that the Bible is what it claims to be? Absolutely. We'll be talking about that next week. But it's an amazing thing, but we have to understand it is a library. And this library, and if you look at it, and maybe it's your first time to really kind of see it, you'll see that there's, uh, there's two major divisions, and Christians talk about this a lot. There's one division is called the Old Testament, and one is called the New Testament. And so my Bible, it starts right about there. The Old Testament is the first half, of, or it's more than a half, right? There's a lot of books in here. All those have to do with is those first five covenants that God made. The New Covenant, the New Testament, is all about the New Covenant, the one that we're in. So think of it like a cell phone bill, right? Or some company, right? Christ fulfilled the covenant. And now he started a new one with you and me. And so to understand what he is and to know that he's the one who can really start a new covenant, we need to understand the old covenant. Did he really fulfill it? Because you're staking your eternity on this. It's a good idea to understand those things. But to understand where we live with God, how do we interact with God now, we have to understand the new covenant. And that's why it's broken up in those ways. So everything in the Old Testament was written before Jesus. Everything, obviously, that was written after it was written after him, the first hundred years. That's where that came from. It's an amazing thing. 
Bible is not just a library, though. It's not just something we want to read. The Bible is therefore then authority. If this is not just something that came from people, right? This is a book that was just written by some really wise old guys. Even wise old guys get it wrong sometimes, right? right? It would be good suggestions. It would be wisdom literature. In fact, there's a lot of really great wisdom literature out there that is not even written by Christians, Right? Even really old Christians, just because it was written by an apostle or a prophet, doesn't mean that it was in Scripture. That these things had to be inspired by God, and they wrote lots of other really great things, which are very helpful for our life. I mean, has anybody ever picked up a devotional book and read it? I mean, those are good things. We apply those things to our lives, but they're not authority. They're suggestions. But the Bible is different. This actually comes from God. Who has the right, really, to tell us what is moral, what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad, how we ought to live. Because he's God. He's our creator. He's the one who made us. And I think it's amazing mercy that God didn't just set us into this world with no help, no guidance. Just say, be like a parent telling their kids to go to the park and just run amok. Right? With no, you know, like, hey, don't jump into the lake. Right? You know? Don't kick Timmy in the head until he bleeds, right? If we didn't have a parent giving us guidance, kids wouldn't know what was right and wrong. And they'd get hurt. But God has given us his authoritative word because he loves us. He tells us these are the things that if you do these things, they're right and they will actually work. And if you don't live this way, then, then life is very difficult. And we look around the world and we see that there are a lot of different ideas about what is right and what is wrong and what is true and what is false and what do we have. We have war, don't we? War in just about every corner of the world. And it's war because people, we try to just impose these things on other people. To say, believe in me, believe what I say, or else I'll kill you or I'll fight you because you're evil. But God worked differently, didn't he? He could have set up a big throne and said with an iron fist, I am God, and if you don't obey me right now the way that I want to do, I will kill you, and we'll have peace on earth because everyone's going to obey out of fear. But he didn't. He spoke gently and quietly kindly through the centuries and millennia he's given us his word but just because he he spoke kindly doesn't mean that his word is any less authoritative so that's why Christians when we look at this Bible we say it's not just suggestions for life these are the truths of God and this is God's heart that these become the very things that we can live by these are not just suggestions and that they are actually words of life it doesn't, we don't walk around the world wondering, what does God want from me? We can know exactly what God wants from us and how to care for one another. We can see his heart for the world and for people and begin to emulate that because we've spoken and we get to listen. It is God's inspired word. It's God breathes, but it's also, you see that passage that said it's, it's helpful to teach what is true. Isn't it wonderful that you actually have an authoritative source to know what is true? Now, I mean, there are really smart people who get it really wrong. I remember that reading when I was in college about uh, when the Nazi party came into power in Germany. Fascinating and scary. And what happened is, is there were some very, very good arguments that were made about how what the Nazis were doing were going to be the most moral thing. And it fooled a lot of people. And they thought what they were saying was true. And they signed on to a party and they did all kinds of big things. A lot of them were horrible things and believing that they were doing was true and was right. Of course, we look and we see the atrocities that happen. Just because someone is, is convincing 
Just because something makes sense for a time doesn't mean that it's absolutely true. Or maybe you've had a friend in your life. I don't know, when I was like a, a, a fourth grade and I was on the school bus, and I had a friend who thought he was the expert in love. Right? And for all I knew, he was. He was not. Right? Some of the things that he told me about how to be kind to a woman were completely wrong. Right? And, and so just because somebody appears to be an authority doesn't make them an authority. Right? Isn't it good that we have something that's not just subjective, that God said, I have spoken. And he gives it in such a way that it can be verifiable. We can check it. We can make sure that it's from him. But he tells us what is true. And therefore, when we look into our own lives and I say, this is right. And God says, no, this is right. I can say, okay, I'm wrong. Right? And I know that at least he knows what he's talking about. That's what it gives us. This is a very precious thing. We don't want to lose it. Or it's like this. If it says this, it's a standard of faith and practice. It teaches us how to live holy lives. When we talk about as Christians, as the Christian church, the best part, how do we base our, our doctrine? Where does it come from? Well, it comes from this. Right? We don't want to come up with, with human ideas as to what we ought to do for, for what is holy. Ultimately, it goes back to the Bible. Which means this. It's a very scary thing because we don't have like a list of these are our doctrinal statements mostly. We just have, we say, if you can teach us and show us in Scripture where this is true, then we're going to stack hands on that. And, and there are some areas in Scripture where even the brilliant, brilliant biblical scholars will disagree. And in those areas, we're going to have a lot of liberty and grace, aren't we? That's the power of this, is it brings us together and it brings us on the same page. But for you and for me, this becomes our standard. So if you're doing something, it's not just that it offends me that you're having a sin in your life or whatever, that's why I reach out to you. If I reach out to you, I say there's, there's an inconsistency there with what God's word is, and that's going to hurt you. That inconsistency is going to hurt you. And here's some truth that can help. And you get to do that with me, right? This is, it's helpful and becomes our standard of faith and practice in life. That's why we believe what we believe. It's an important thing, so it's an authority, but it's not just an authority. It's not just a thing. It's also, and this is, I wanted to hear this, is God's message to us. God spoke. We live in a world where we say, where is God? And, I, and I, I think it's interesting that, you know, that the naturalism that has really invaded a lot of pop culture, they say, if science can't prove it, then God's not there. Which science means that it's all of the five senses. That's what we can touch, taste, see, hear, all that. And if we can do repeatable things with those senses, what we can see in this world, and repeat those things, then we'll know that it's true. That's how we test it. It's a very great thing for the stuff that we can sense. But I will tell you, if you had dogs that were smart enough to be scientists... They would never be able to prove the existence of a rainbow, would they? Because they can't see color. There's no way for them to find out that there is actually different of the wavelengths. They lack the ability to sense those things. And so for a dog, a rainbow does not exist. But does it exist? Absolutely. So we understand that we as humans, we have been given by God senses to pick up the things that we were able to see. But there are certainly truths that are out there beyond what we can see and taste and touch and hear. Here's a great one. Love. Does love exist? Can you stick love in a test tube? Absolutely not. Hatred exists too, doesn't it? It's off. You know, there are things that are beyond our ability to test and to sense, but they are no less true, no less impactful in our life. And the Bible gives us a window into some of those things, especially about who he is. Because our God is not of nature. He made nature. 
and therefore we cannot prove or disprove him by testing nature, other than just we can look into nature and see evidence of him everywhere, but he's beyond that. He's super nature, supernatural, beyond it, beyond it. The Bible gives us an ability to hear from this God who is beyond us, who is different in so many ways, but who loves us so very much. And if we read God's word, we find an amazing message, a story for us, a story of his love, a story that tells us, you know, that he made us in his own image above all things anywhere, even in this world or even in the heavens. Nothing was made in his image except for people. Why did he make us that way? I have no idea. But he did, and he wanted a relationship with us. But he wanted a relationship to be true, so he gave us freedom to choose him or to reject him. And we have rejected him, every one of us. Every single person has sinned and has gone our own way and has said, my way, not your way, God. Every single one of us has declared our own little war against God, and yet he didn't destroy us. He sent his son to die for us, but he gave us his word, these covenants, so we would identify his son and know who he was and know he was legit when he came. He told us how it is that we're saved, and aren't you glad that we're saved by grace through faith and not by works and being perfect? He tells us what he wants for us and how to get to relationship with him. It's a relationship. It tells us that he didn't just come to save us from our sins, but he wants us to save us to have relationship, to have, to have, well, not just heaven where we're going to have all kinds of great things forever, but to be fully and truly good. To be with him and to have, have purpose and meaning, not just in the year after, but even in our life now. The, the, the Bible contains God's very clear message to you and me. And it's an amazing message. And so over these next couple weeks, we're going to go through this amazing work, the Word of God. We're going to go through next week, we're going to talk about really, um, where did it come from? How do we know it's really God's Word? Because I made some pretty big boasts and claims today. How do we know it's God's Word? I want you to come back next week. We're going to talk about that. And then the next two weeks, I'm going to be in Ukraine, but, but Zach and, and Mike O'Donnell do a phenomenal job. I just know it. Uh, but they're going to be talking about how do we read this and how do we use the Bible, because it can be misused very easily as well. And so um, that's what we have before us. Um, but before I, I end today, um, as we, we wrap this up, I would like you to get your connection cards out. And, uh, and some things that, uh, how do we apply this into our own lives? Well, the first thing I, I would think, from the back side, I have some suggestions for us. To really get to the gospel, the first thing I would suggest, let's memorize what the Bible says about the Bible. <coughs> right? At least, it, let's talk about what it says about itself, because there's a lot of other authorities in this world that have a lot of things to say about the Bible. Maybe we should begin by actually asking the Bible what does it say about itself. And I think that as we go through these, these four weeks, these four verses... You would say, I'm going to begin memorizing them. It's amazing how they, they build on one another. It doesn't, doesn't say it's helpful for teaching us what is true. It begins by telling us we can trust those that came before us. We know their testimony is true. Right? Those 40 different people who wrote three different languages over 1,500 years, we know their testimony is true. And therefore, we can trust what it has to say. We'll talk about that next week. So maybe you want to memorize 1 Timothy 3.14. Well, we know it's something that would be fun to do. Why don't you get into God's Word? 2 Timothy is a great place to be. And uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, I'll take you seriously, like four minutes. It's not a long chapter, but to go through, it is jam-packed with wisdom and insight for how to live a life of hope, even here and now. Maybe something you want to do is, um, you want to pray for wisdom. You say, God, I, I want uh, your wisdom 
and uh, I want you to help me. Because you know, we have a God that we, he speaks to us in, through the word, and we get to speak back to him through prayer. Isn't it an amazing thing that our God hears us? So as you're reading this in the word, maybe you're here today, you're just looking for God, and you're saying, God, what are you? I want to know you more. I would like to have your, your insight, your direction in my life. Big things are happening. You know what? If you talk to him, he talks back. Not always audibly, because that would freak us out. But, but he does. He answers prayer. And we see that happen all the time. And one of the prayers that he says, never to be afraid of, of praying is this. God, give me wisdom. And he'll grant it to you. Or how about this? They're going to have life groups. They're going to start up in right after Easter time. Easter is only four weeks away. Can you believe it? So also in this, please be praying for who you would like to invite for Easter. This is an amazing opportunity to talk about our God and how we know he rose from the dead. The prophecies of Jesus, like he actually rose, and it's amazing. Uh, so invite your friends, pray for them. But you know what? Something else. Let us know you're interested in being in a life group, because we're going to be meeting this next week with some of the leaders and facilitators, and we're going to be helping getting folks into groups, and we'll be contacting you so you have some time to get in there. So if you would like to, to join a life group, let us know there. And if not, we'll probably still call you anyway. Um, good stuff. Maybe there's something else that you have. Uh, something else going on. Somebody said you feel God is full of spirit is speaking to you. You need to respond. Let us know what commitment you need to make this week. Why? Because we're going to pray for you. We're going to support you. That's one of the things that the church does. That's one of the, um, what I'd love to do. So let us know there. If you have another decision to make, of course, on your side, let us know. And if you do, please give us your contact information so we can get a hold of you. But also this. Do you have a prayer request? If you would like us to go before this awesome God and to join in prayer about something that's important or heavy or a burden that you have, please let us know. We'd love to pray for you. And it's amazing to see the things. We've seen God do some really cool stuff this last year, and we continue to see it because our God is real and he answers. So let us pray for you. So if you have a prayer request, please write it down. And uh, what we're going to have is the worship team to come out, and, um, and we're going to have a time of, of uh, giving our, our offerings and things like that. And, um, as we, as we make your offering, make sure you drop this in the offering basket as well as it passes, and we would sure appreciate that. Before we do that, however, I would like to invite you guys to, uh, to join me as, uh, as, we, as we pray together. Let's go talk to our God um, before we make our commitments or any offerings. Let's do it.